from the Rumble Seat or RamblinWreck.com? I mean, for, for stats and basic stuff, I, I like Ramblin' Wreck because it's the actual school. Okay. So, and um. see, that's where our ad for RamblinWreck.com <clears throat> comes in. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Toe Meets Load Podcast. I'm Logan Sandor. I'm here with Andrew Rodriguez. New from the Rumble Seat co-writer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, now everyone can see me fail in more than one medium. Well, some people, to be fair, can only feel, succeed in failing in one field. So, I mean, I, you got to be doing pretty well for yourself. Yeah, you know, what's, what's the old stupid poster you had in elementary school? Aim, aim for the moon, because even if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars. <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Well, you know, some of us are just not destined to be good jump shooters. Look at Shaquille O'Neal and free throws. <laughs> hey, man, I don't know. You look, some, some people are born to be Michael Jordans, and some of us are born to be... Uh, God, what's the comedian's name? Don't give me that look. There's a lot of them. The guy who won the NBA... Uh, oh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, yeah. Kevin Hart can hoop. But no, he's not... I, I don't know. He's so short. He's got... <laughs> dribble swing guy's legs. You he's never got, expect it. So uh, to all our listeners out there, we apologize for the great uh, divide. We were on a large hiatus because I had to move up to North Carolina, and some other stuff happened too. I mean, uh, Andrew's girlfriend got rich. Uh, he won the lottery. <laughs> I wish. Um, It'd be pretty nice. Artem had a child. And Congratulations, then... Artem, wife, and kid. I can't remember the name of the other yeah. two. I apologize, Artem. It's all right. You'll hate me later on in this podcast anyway, so... Uh, Tommy became the CEO of the Home Depot. I'm pretty sure that happened. And this, this is how we get sued for slander. <laughs> Although I guess they're positive things, so we might be okay. And Nigel got a job busting out child soldiers from Columbia. So, you know, we've all c- grown. That's not a bad gig. I, I like I like how you're not arguing that last. Well, week. you know, I I wanted to. Ha- I almost had one of those well actually moments, but I'm not confident enough in the fact that there may or may not be child soldiers in Colombia to make that statement. So, I mean, I I would not be shocked. They certainly. did actually, though. A couple of, uh, within the past couple of years, the uh, the FARC rebel group has apparently stopped being a rebel group, which is probably a good thing for the people of Colombia. <sighs> Is that just an in-name thing, though, or have they actually, like, stopped I, killing people? I believe they've actually mostly somewhat come out of the jungles and attempted to be a part of the political process. Well, there you go. This is the college football news that people come to us for. <laughs> Geopolitics of Colombia. So, uh, as I was saying, uh, we've obviously had a big hiatus, so we're going to catch up kind of where we left off with the end of 2017. Uh, it ended brighter for some than for others, uh, in particular, my uh, Crimson Tide uh, ended up winning another national championship, saving us from the dark, dark future that pertained if uh, UGA had somehow managed to win that game. I'm, <laughs> I am not ready to live in that world. <laughs> I, I No. And, I, I mean, I don't know how many UGA fans we have that listen to this podcast. I think we only have, like, four people that listen. And, I mean, one of them is my dad, so he's not a, he's not a Georgia no, fan. No, 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 no. I mean, my girlfriend doesn't even listen to us, but, you know, I actually went to bed at halftime in that game, fully accepting my fate of living in that kind of world, but fortunately, Tua Tagovailoa was able to break through the language barrier that apparently players from Hawaii suffer 
Thank you, Crimson Tide message boards. <laughs> and, and throw, I mean, it was a great throw. The crazy part was the play before it. You look at it and you just kind of shake your head about, man, you don't give up a sack like that. I was, I was shocked on a lot of levels. I mean, I want to go back before that, though. Uh, Oklahoma, if I didn't have a reason to hate Oklahoma before, I was very upset with them after that game. I was like, how can you blow it? I almost had an aneurysm watching that game go back and forth. I was like, just freaking Baker Mayfield, you're the Heisman champion. You know, do something good in your life and just win this game for us. But no, we had to go into the next game and basically have a heart attack. I, t- I felt the gambit of emotions watching Georgia go through the playoffs. And uh, I- I'm sorry. I mean, some teams, they have their little trophy case where they go and they watch and they're like, you know, praying that their team fills up with another like, banner year of winning something we're georgia tech fans all we have is a little corner of our room where we curl up into a little ball and cry ourselves to sleep every night so i have to make do with what i got okay i i i was freaking out though man that oklahoma game drove me crazy (sighs) praise the lord uh not the catholic lord because obviously he lost to georgia earlier in the year but maybe like the Mormon one, or I guess the pen. I mean, I think the Mormon one might have taken a hiatus from football. <laughs> Sikatani at BYU, they're they're in kind of rough. They had a bad year last year, and I'm not sure if things are really looking up for them this year. The Oklahoma Georgia game, yeah, it didn't end the way that I really wanted it to. But I have to admit, it was a really fun game to watch, and it was really exciting. I think the scariest thing is is a ton of the really talented players for Georgia. Uh, we're underclassmen. Oh, yeah. Um, DeAndre Swift, the running back, I think, you know, bold predictions, hot takes. Maybe a better player than Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do. The question is, is anyone going to find a way to have to put more on Fromm's shoulders as well as is he going to be looking over his shoulder at Justin Fields? Well, and I think the other factor that you got to take into account is right now in the East, no one has a chance of challenging them. I mean, their biggest challenge would be... Uh, South Carolina might be the second-best team in the that, East. That's, I would say Kentucky, actually. But, yeah, yeah one I of mean, those two. I think Mullen will do a good job at Florida. Uh, I think they'll be good defensively this year. He, he's got some rebuilding to do. You know, they signed a pretty you know, four-star kid, uh, Emory Jones, out of, I believe, Heard County who's supposed to be pretty good. You know, and Mullen's done a really good job at Starkville, which which is a hard place to win. Oh, yeah. But I think Florida will bounce back. The question is, are they going to bounce back this year? No, I don't think it's going to happen that year. quick. No, no, no. no. I mean, I, I think they, you know, they'll make a bowl game. But I don't think you'll see them really compete. You know, Georgia doesn't win the East this year. That's That's a huge indictment on a lot of factors. Well, I mean, yeah, like we said, who else is going to be there? Tennessee, sure as hell ain't going to be Vanderbilt, sure as hell ain't going to be... Well, maybe South Carolina, you know. It could be one of those weird years, though, because Georgia's crossover opponents are Auburn and LSU. And so it could be one of those really, really weird years where Georgia randomly ends up with, say, two losses to Auburn and LSU, and you have a a one-loss South Carolina that wins the East because they played an easier cross-division schedule. It's a possibility. Uh, I do... I have looked at their schedule a couple of times, and I'm kind of curious to see. But anyway, I, I, as much as I would love to keep talking about how great Georgia's futures are, uh, let's talk about Georgia Tech. So, Do we really have to? I mean, 
<laughs> the other option is Texas A&M, and I know how you feel about them. So I, I know significantly less about Texas A&M. Okay. They are in an interesting position, though. They're. I, I'm pretty sure they're a cult. Um, oh, they're so. 100% a cult. Uh, just the, the other Aggies that I've met this past semester, my girlfriend being in business school with some, some A&M grads there, Fairly starting their occult. But, I mean, you know, they're not like the, the Om Shinrikyo or the, you know, the deadly gonna murder you kind of cult. I don't know. I feel like they could be a Jonestown where it's like every, <laughs> everything looks good and then we win a national championship. <laughs> well, they're only going to be a Jonestown if, if Texas is actually back. That's oh, when you might have some issues. I don't know. I, I I was actually kind of curious to ask Artem. I was like, do y'all do anything crazy? Like, do y'all sacrifice a longhorn every year to make sure that Texas doesn't rise up? But, uh, so no, Andrew, I'm going to force you. We do have to talk about Georgia Tech. Um, so let's go back and look on the year. I, I mean, you already read over my notes, so you've kind of got my opinion on it. There was a lot of freaky stuff that happened. It, it was it was the season of... of- you know, you talk about football as a game of inches. You know, it was a season of missed chances. You have two fumbles against Tennessee, which, not to take anything away, it was great plays by the Tennessee defense. You have two fumbles against Tennessee who are going in to score, which puts the game out of reach. You have a fourth and long throw into double coverage against Miami with a lead that just bounces around into the right place. You go up two scores against Virginia, only on the ensuing kickoff to give up a kick return touchdown to really not be able to blow the gates open there. That was fun. Uh, you know, you give up against Duke. You're outmanned by Clemson. You're outmanned by Georgia. Yeah, but at least with the Clemson and Georgia games, we knew what was going to happen. Also, I do not want to understate, because I feel like that kind of gets overlooked. The weather did not help at all. No, you know, we played a bunch of really terrible weather games. Virginia and Miami are the two that, that jump out to you immediately. You know, the Miami one especially because it happened in the middle of the game, and that really does impact a lot of your play calling. Not, not oh, it impacts our play calling more because of what we do, you know, but it kind of takes a lot out of your playbook, especially in the Miami game where, I mean, it was a driving hurricane. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to have to edit in a drum roll. Yeah, we got to get something there. No, no, no. That was t- <laughs> sorry about that, guys. You know, it, it just... And it's one of those crazy ones where you look at those go any of those plays goes a different direction. You're in a bowl game at least. You know, you're still talking about missed chances in the other places, but a bowl game at least takes the sting out of things. You have the canceled game against UCF, which I don't think I mean, we would have beat them. Considering but. that UCF is, you know, our defending national champions this year. <laughs> I'm not we've, sure. We've now, gotta we've gotta wait on the LeBron <laughs> results. Did you see that stat on Reddit? The, yeah, every every time that LeBron wins a title, Alabama okay, wins also a, wins a title. So if LeBron loses, it is official. But is it is it is it one of those where like Alabama wins and then LeBron wins the next title, or is it the other way around? Like LeBron wins a title and Alabama wins the one. No, because Alabama automatically wins the one on the year. Okay, and so like the January LeBron, one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, to be fair, I think it's Warriors in five. Um, okay, so you definitely got UCF as the champion. <laughs> Fair you know, enough. that game was early in the year against UCF. They hadn't really hit their mojo. They were a really good team. Mackenzie Milton is a fantastic player. We will definitely talk about him in our AAC preview later on in the year. Well, and I will say that I don't think they would have faced any team that's quite like us. They were not ready for that. But I, that still doesn't mean I think we win that game. No, they didn't play Navy uh, as an AAC team. They weren't a crossover with them. 
At least I don't think they did. Did they? They played them later in the year, I believe. Oh. Um, I would have to look it up, but I, I believe they did play them. Stat boy, check that for us. You know, we should hire a stat guy. I don't know. Talk to your fucking from the Rumble Seed connections. <laughs> I don't know if you call them connections. I haven't, I haven't actually written anything yet. They're uh, probably going to fire me after they realize that I write at like a third grade level. It's all about the editor, man. <laughs> uh, I gotta find like seven of them. The problem is I can't afford enough of them. Oh my god, this is so complicated. <laughs> I just want to see the schedule. Uh, they. Oh, so it was a ten-point game against Navy. So honestly, we probably might could have beaten them to be one hundred percent fair. Well, and they played Navy well in the year after that, so we. Could've... Yeah, so they had gotten a little rolling. I think they we it. Like I said, I don't think that we would have won that game, but it would have been an interesting question to see, especially since it was at home. That would have been good to see. But oh, it was at UCF. Yeah, just, I was gonna say, does anyone really want to go to Orlando outside of maybe Disney World? I don't know. It's the cocaine capital of the world. Also, I hear there's. Wait, a lot of... I thought I thought that was Miami. Pretty sure it's Orlando. That doesn't even make any sense. They they played down. They're okay. landlocked. <laughs> Orlando is landlocked. Look, you're going way too much off Scarface, okay? <laughs> All right, anyway. Like back, back to Georgia Tech. Uh, it was a season of the biggest thing for me offensively, having actually gone back and watched a couple of games because I'm a glutton for punishment and I hate myself. Which we all know is true. Oh, 100%. You know, it's, it's why I, I signed on to write for From the Rumble Seat. All that time I waste watching film, I might can actually turn into a third-grade level <laughs> yeah, five-paragraph right. essay. You know, introduction, three body paragraphs, conclusion. We is good at footballs. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest thing offensively, really, really poor play at the offensive tackle. A lot of trouble with guys slipping off of squeezes or rides and getting to the second level, which really can impact a lot of your play calling. And you kind of saw it later in the year. You saw us get away from... Some of our basic stuff, our our triple, some of our counter option, a lot of things that, that allow that because you can't trust them to get to the second level, so you've got multiple players running the alley to play the pitch, and you get swallowed up. Well, and there's two things that would bounce back and forth on throughout the year. So one, and this is something we talked about before the game, Brandon Marshall seemed really hesitant to pitch a to, lot to of the Quan. time. To Quan. To Shut up. Brandon Marshall, Stop. I believe, just signed for the Giants? Stop making me feel stupid. <laughs> Taquan Marshall, yes. The one that was our quarterback. Totally that one. He seemed hesitant to pitch. A yeah, lot. that's something you see early on in guys when they get into the offense. Much, much like quarterbacks and their throws, you've got to get really comfortable at what you're seeing, and you've got to get comfortable with what you're trying to do. And a couple of them, you know, one of the thing is, like I was talking about, is he gets to the issue where, you know, he gets the dive read right, the the dive read vacates, either squeezes on the, the B-back or in a couple of places would just get himself washed. And then he goes to step and his eyes up come to the pitch and you've got the pitch guy coming to kill you. You've got a middle linebacker coming to kill you because no one slipped to the second level. Mm. And so you're able to have everything played and – Sometimes you just eat it. You know, he, he keeps it and eats it because that's better than pitching it, getting your A back lit up, and the ball's on the ground. I mean, that's fair. I, if it's the best play available, that's what happens. I mean, we did have some shoddy play, to say the least, at the on the O-line. But I felt like I saw quite a few plays where 
it seemed like it got in his head, especially some of the early losses, like the one at Tennessee, where he seemed a lot less reliant on people, or he seemed even scared to kind of risk pitching the ball or or handing it off. He really wanted to take it himself, but... Yeah, you hope a lot of that will come with having another year in the system and having a played, played a full year at it. You can go back and see that a little bit with Justin Thomas. I was going back and watching some um, 20, 2014. I don't really want to act like 2015 ever happened, so yeah. I don't really watch a lot of tape from that year for Is it, reasons. I mean, we beat FSU, right? We did, but uh. that's... That was that's really, <laughs> that's and, really and, and we actually scored seventy in back to back games okay. against Alcorn State and Tulane. And yeah. actually, one of my favorite plays of all time is in the Tulane game. Uh, Matthew Jordan scores on, I believe the actual call is triple, and he keeps it, and he scores. And I go back to watch the tape, and I realize that Tulane only has nine defenders on the field. Oh yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, by the way, I can't wait to see you start doing the tape reviews. I'm really looking forward to that. I've always thought you should have been doing that. But yeah, yeah you and my dad both. Uh, but yeah, as far as 2015, 2015 goes, all I remember is it never happened. All I remember is FSU, and then Josh got really drunk and crashed <laughs> his car into a tree. So we yeah. uh, we played three games that year, all wins. We were three and zero. Unfortunately, that wasn't enough to be bowl eligible. <laughs> But then going even even watching 2016 was interesting because the talent on the field in 16 wasn't that much better than 15. You just had a lot better play in the offensive line. You had Justin Thomas with another year of trusting the offense. Justin in 15 really got in his own head to try to you know win the game himself. And actually 14 is interesting to watch too because we have better talent, I think – especially at the A-back and the B-back positions in 15 and 16 than we had in 14 when we won 11 games. I think the offensive line was better in 14, which really helps a lot. And you had guys that had been in the offense and understood the offense. I'm hoping that's what kind of year we're setting up for well, this year. And there is the other side of the ball, which is the other part that I – defense, man. That's a whole nother. Well, and that was the other thing I wanted to bring up because I was 50-50 on that the entire year. At first, it looked like the defense was really good. But then at the same time, they would give up these ridiculous second halves where you're just like, what is going on? I don't know. Yeah, statistically, in some things, I think total defense, scoring defense, statistically, it was one of the better defenses that we've had in the Ted Roof era, which, again, is still, I think, low or high 50s, low 60s in scoring defense. But... We created nothing behind the line of scrimmage in terms of the you know the offensive or the defensive line couldn't get couldn't beat blocks. We didn't have a lot of sacks. We didn't have a lot of what they call a havoc rate of sacks, knockdowns, just getting to the quarterback. And then you know God bless the Austin Twins, but it's hard to play corner when you're five eight. That's the rough part. I I feel like they would be star players if they if you just added on another three or four inches. But, you know, and that's you know. and that's what I'm really interested, in, and I'm sure we'll have a Georgia Tech preview where we talk about this more. Is the secondary, unfortunately, since we've lost AJ Gray, although you know, God bless the kid for you know finding out they hate his heart condition and finding out before the season, so nothing <laughs> yeah, bad happens you, to you him. You gotta respect it. Yeah, I mean, you know, kids got to do what's best for him. He's a, that's the that's a big loss because he was our only secondary player coming back, and really in my mind he was the only one that you were gonna miss. I think it's almost an addition by subtraction because I think we're gonna be more talented in the secondary. 
Um, obviously, they're going to be younger, so you're uh, going to have some of your questions. It's it's really going to be how can uh, the two new and I make sure I get it right. Shield Wood, who's the new safeties coach, and Joe Speed, our corners coach, can really bring those guys along in Coach Woody's new defense. Uh, for those of you that are afraid because you hear three, four odd man front, and you have visions of of the outgrow years, it's it's a lot I, different. Uh, yeah. The scheme is a lot different. It's it's more of a one gap, which we can probably have a four hour session about gaps and I think that's, fits and all that. I think but. that's better for one of your YouTube channels <laughs> where you can actually draw something. Yeah, but, but anyway. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a lot more aggressive. Uh, Woody did a really good job at Appalachian State, even against some of the you know teams like they played Georgia last year, and obviously were out talented beyond anything, but but held themselves well and, and played well given the talent discrepancy. So I'm hoping we'll be able to do some of those things. You know, you've got to find guys that can make plays. Your linebackers are going to be – obviously Mitchell's going to start in the middle. You've got to see where some of the other guys fall out. But, again, the the tools are there to get better. It just has to happen. Well, I think for us it will come back to – and, again, we'll dive into this – later on when we talk about the ACC and when we talk about Georgia Tech in particular for the 2018 season. But I think for us what it's going to come down to this year is just winning the games you should win. When you look at last year, shouldn't have lost to Virginia, shouldn't have lost to Duke. Shouldn't, shouldn't have lost to Tennessee. Shouldn't have lost to Tennessee. Especially a Tennessee team that is the year we're on, we saw just were the, not a very good team. If there was one thing that the 2017 season did – is it renewed my hatred for Tennessee? Like, I had honestly been pretty chill with Tennessee up until last season, but my gosh, that is so frustrating to watch, to see you lose like that and then be like, Tennessee, we could get into a bowl game if you just make yourself look subpar. Yeah, and they can't, was... they cannot pull it off. Anyway, but yeah, you know, if you're winning those games, you're making a bowl game. Well, And that's, and that's the thing looking at our schedule. Uh, I was joking with somebody the other day. There are three games on our schedule that I am absolutely sure of. We're probably going to beat Alcorn State. Yep. We're probably going to lose to Clemson and Georgia. Yep. Every single other game on the schedule, in my mind, is at least some level of a toss-up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think somebody on Reddit actually asked me some similar question. I basically ended, like, everything with, I think, other than Alcorn State, everything ended with a probably win against, you know, Virginia. Though, to give to give credit to, I believe this podcast ain't played nobody, said Georgia Tech has been a model of inconsistency. We've either won or lost four more games than the previous season. Yeah, that was podcast ain't played nobody. <laughs> and so... Well, up until last year, I think. No, last year fit the mold, too. Because we went from nine wins to five wins. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought I thought the year before was a down year. No, 2016 was a nine-win season. Oh, well, okay. Or an eight-win season. Makes I can't sense. Remember. I think it was a nine-win season. Makes with a bowl game. sense. Okay. Yeah, because we won, we won 11 and then three, which is more than four. And then we won nine or eight. eight. And then we won five. I don't know. Whatever. It made sense when they said it. I, tr I trust Bill Connolly and those guys significantly more when it comes to numbers than I trust uh, a lot of things. Well, now I want to look it up, but I'm not going to bother. Uh, you're just get Stat Boy to look it up. <sighs> okay, fine. Well, while I'm getting Stat Boy to look it up, um, why don't we pull into 
some other talk about the 2017 season. Why don't you bring us into Texas A&M, whatever the hell they did. So A&M's just a – they're in an interesting place in my mind because they're one of those teams that has everything they need to compete at the highest level. You know, we always talk about money does everything. And they're a program that's, that's not hurting for money. You know, they've invested millions and millions into facilities. You know, they, they're paying Jimbo what they're paying him, which is a lot. You know, obviously he had soured with his relationship in Florida State, which the rumor I heard, part of that had to do with having to fight tooth and nail for fun, fundraising to build. Just, uh, just go to Coach Johnson's. No, it'll have the seasons. God damn it. But they should, they're in a place where money's not going to be a question. And I really think they're going to be one of those where how much can you... Yeah, we went 9-4, and four and then we went 5-6. and six. You know, so, yeah, so we're going to bounce back. All right. You know, I don't, or, or, or we may go 1-11. That's definitely still a four-game change. Shut your, <laughs> shut your fucking face. I have no positivity. <laughs> A&M's going to be an interesting one, too, because they're they're almost like... Oklahoma State, to me, they're, they're, there's a ton of money there and a ton of investment. Now, they're in a better just location because being in Texas is going to help you. Well, I just like thinking of last year as, like, probably – I'm used to Georgia Tech being the roller coaster. Tech about – Texas A&M right off the bat. Pull up Sumlin. I want to see what his seasons were. Right off the bat. Texas A&M got that game against UCLA where... Chosen Rosen. <laughs> I have to like him now since he's a Cardinal. Let's see. Yes, it's 11-2, and 9-4, and 8-5, 8-5, 8-5, 7-5. Yeah. And then immediately following all that stuff they had go down, uh, they won four in a row, granted against not great teams. They beat, all, a, they beat a pretty good South Carolina team. They did an impressive run against Alabama. They, I think a lot of people were worried they were actually going to win that game. I know my dad was terrified they were going to win that game most of the way. They beat Florida on the road, which looking back is probably not that surprising. Lost to Mississippi State, lost to Auburn, and then kind of everything else fell the way you expected to. Lost in a maybe, shootout to the fighting John Walfords at Wake Forest. Yeah. <laughs> That was actually probably one of the more entertaining bowl games. It really was, as long actually. As, you, as long as you're not a Texas A&M fan. I mean, Wake, Wake is great, baby. <laughs> Wake is great. But, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Shout out to my buddy who went to Wake. And that was just an up-and-down season that ended with them getting a – and I know somehow somehow Artem saw this coming, but the rest of us – Artem's apparently tied in to way more gossip than, I, than a lot of people because he's broken some stuff that I've read that – he ended up being right that really surprised me. Yeah, well, I mean, like like I said about the cult, it's, uh, you know, it's it's shocking when you look back. They just know things. Uh, you know, I think the thing about someone is he plateaued at 8-5 and five with 4-4 four and four seasons in the SEC. You know, he kind of got into that, that area of beat who you're supposed to, you know, talking about beat who you're supposed to, but then – you know, competed with but hadn't beaten Alabama without Manziel. Uh-huh. 
And you that's, know. Well, that's the death knell of everybody, though. That's my question for Jimbo. Well, that, I mean, that's the problem in the SEC, especially in the West, is everyone wants to be Alabama. And not everyone. I mean, you know, some, some programs can get close, I think. I think Georgia, unfortunately, is a program that's going to be close to that. But, you know, we're in an era where Alabama's probably the best they've ever been. Uh, to be fair to Bear Bryant, they're probably. I, I like I like how Saban has become like this Genghis Khan of <laughs> coaching, where it's like he's just seeding the coaching field with all his little underlings that are somehow less than he is. It's kind of terrifying in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, the Smart's already been probably the most successful one. But, you know, I think Sumlin plateaued at 4-4 four and four in the SEC, and I think Artem kind of talked about it, is he just he never got better. And A&M, with the amount of money they've got, with the amount of funds they're pouring into that program, you can't stagnate like that. You have to show improvement. You know, you can't go 8. Unfortunately, you can't go 8-5, and 8-4 and four every year well, and with, without a big win. Now, now, I think if he goes 8-4 and four and you know, goes 500 against Alabama in those five years – Maybe it's a little different. I mean, he probably still loses his job, but... I think it also ties in with just how rabid that fan base is. Like, they think they should be on top of that conference. Which is crazy, given that A&M's most recent national title was the 1930s. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, I I get it. I understand where you are in the recruiting world. I and Again, I, I hate to keep harping on the investment and the money, but that's what runs a lot of college football. You look at the really, really good programs, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, you know, you can toss Oregon with that Phil Knight money in there. Uh, you know. We'll see how but, they but, do. But, but Oregon's not to that level. Oklahoma, although football, I had this conversation uh, years Ohio ago. State. Ohio State. Yeah. I had this conversation years ago uh, on a flight to Coach's Convention, actually, and I was talking with a guy, and the biggest thing he, he talked about was – it's really, really hard to break into that traditional, historically elite realm. Yeah. You look at your teams, your Alabamas, your Oklahomas, your Texases, even your Nebraskas up until recently were good different decades, have always been on some level that good. Well, and I mean, you can trace back. I mean, like, look at teams that we don't even think of now. Like, Nebraska. Oh, sure, they were good in, like, the 90s. Look at Miami. Oh, they were good for a period. You know, there's yeah. so rarely although, is someone... Although, to be fair, Nebraska was good in, like, the 40s, 50s, 60s, and all of that time, too. I mean, Tom, Tom Osborne's a great coach. I didn't live in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, okay? True. And Nebraska's probably one of the ones that... Nebraska and Notre Dame, to be fair, probably the two that are going to have the biggest trouble getting back to that level uh, for a I, lot of my own thought process reasons. I genuinely don't. Um, we'll talk about it later, but I genuinely don't see Notre Dame ever getting back to greatness. That's like. It, it, I think it's, again, it's all about investments. I think it's possible, probable, eh, probably not. You know, your your biggest Johnny come latelys to that realm are the three Florida schools. Florida, Florida State, and that's Miami. Because, and that's because of recruiting. Well, yeah, they got it's so because many... they decide. I think it was Bobby Dodd one time back in like the 50s. One time said, you know, if those folks in Florida ever decide to play football, we're all in trouble. Yeah, and lo and behold. <laughs> yeah, you know, now I honestly don't know if Miami will ever be as dominant as they were. Now, are, is it possible for them to win, you know, 11 and 12 games a national title? Of course it is. Will they ever be the, you know, the U Miami of the, the mid-80s, late-80s, early-90s? 
I don't think so. They just don't have the lockdown on recruiting. And they the, don't. And Everyone the, in their in the world recruits that part of the country now. Well, and the other part is I don't think I I hate saying this because I still have to play him every year. I really like Mark Richt as a I do person. too. I mean, he's a great coach too. Uh, it's I just, hate playing him because you know he has our number. He's like thirteen and two against us. But he runs every program he's at like a fucking yacht club and. As cool as that is to be like, oh, Miami's the party school. Like, I don't think you're going to win consistently acting like that. Maybe that's just my perspective. I mean, it just kind of depends on the where you are. I think I think the best are when you can tailor coaches to, you know, to fit what you're looking to do at the program. Oh, I'm sure you can. My question is, like, can you hunker down when, you know, crunch time comes along? And we kind of saw that with Miami last year. They could not pull out some of these big games. I, talking, I about, talking about the mayhem on the Monongahela. <laughs> uh, shout out Solid Verbal, I believe. No, I was Adam and Joe, uh, the local sports guys in Raleigh, that talked about that before the Pitt Miami, right. the Pitt Miami game. Careful when you're leaning. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like that's uh, <laughs> that's what you kind of. I'm kind of curious to see how they develop. I do think Miami's. It pains me to say this. Miami is back for sure. Uh, but the, but. So, I don't know what's going to come of that. So though. Miami is back, but Miami is not back to Butch Davis Miami. You know. You got a mouse. Oh. <laughs> you know, they are not on the level of what they were. And again, I think that is 100% about recruiting. They, they no longer have the dominant control of that Miami area anymore you know you've got everyone's going down in there and poaching a lot of you know now they signed the number eight class last year which is the second best class in the conference behind Clemson you know obviously the the SEC dominates the recruiting rankings you know the more I look at this the more I'm surprised there aren't more California schools in the top like I only ever Stanford Stanford's not probably going to recruit at a top 10 level just because of who they are and, and to an extent, UCAL, Berkeley, it's going to kind of be the same thing. You know, they're not as academically restricted as Stanford, but they're still a, a really – I mean, they're the, they're, they're every, it's like them and Virginia are back and forth as like the top public school in the country. Right, right. You know, and so they're going to deal with that. You know, USC obviously has always recruited really well. UCLA is the one that's always kind of interesting to me. I mean, they're, yeah, you know, we sit here and we say, oh, they're not recruiting well. They were 18th in the country last year with 10 four-stars. You know, I, I – you know, I'd, I'd go punch a homeless person for us to sign a class that highly rated. I mean, we were like... Uh, Not depend- that I condone homeless punching. Don't lie. <laughs> uh, look, okay, we're getting a little off topic, but uh, yeah, I do think that... I do think it's kind of an interesting thing to look at when you're seeing, you know... Back to Texas A&M. When you see that they're so desperate to sign a big-time coach because they think it it's somehow going to get them over Alabama. The question becomes, like, what exactly is going to change from Kevin Sumlin to Jimbo Fisher? And I do think they're willing to give a lot more to him. Uh, They're willing to build up their program. They're willing to develop things. But is that actually going to put Jimbo Fisher over the hump? And at the end of the day, we're just going to have to find out. I haven't seen anything out of him that makes me feel like he's significantly better than what Kevin Sumlin brought to the program, but he's probably going to need a few years to develop anyway, so time will tell, I guess. Also remember that 
Jimbo Fisher is a Saban disciple. Ah, uh, he was well, on Saban's staff at LSU, I believe. So we're back. So we're back to the Genghis Khan process. Basically, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. You look at it. Jeremy Pruitt's a Saban guy. Kirby Smart's a Saban guy. Jimbo Fisher's a Saban guy. God damn it! Um, so many Saban guys. I, I think that's it right now. I'm I, trying to think there, if there's some. Uh, I know. You know, McElwain is back. Or no, McElwain's at Michigan now, isn't he? He's the, the OC of Michigan. Yeah, he's an OC. Yeah. You know, um, I'm trying to think of other big time saving guys. I know there's more out there. I just oh yeah, I mean there there's there's a lot more out there, but it's, I mean in terms of looking at the guys, because I don't think what? I don't think Stoops at Kentucky is a side, saving guy. Side question, because I heard about this on the uh, uh, EDSBS podcast. Uh, shut down full cast. Shout, shout out to those cast. guys. Shout out to those guys. Um, so wait, college football's only Saban internet podcast. Didn't Saban sign? Uh, the ex-head coach. Butch at, Jones? Yeah, yes, he, he signed Butch Jones. What Look, the hell is his benefit it's, in it's, that? It's the Nick Saban Center for coaches who want to learn how to coach good and do other things good, too. <laughs> you know, it's... it's Again, the, I, believe it, I believe it was Holly on Shutdown Fullcast said, you know, it's coaching rehab. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, it's, I would actually pay to watch it's that It's where show. a lot of these coaches that have tough years... Because the thing I don't think people really realize is... Very rarely does the coach just forget how to coach. Oh, no. There are any number of factors that go into why a guy fails at a given location. But does an athletic director forget how to direct? Uh, 100%. Tom Jurich, <laughs> I believe was the guy's name at Louisville, who is no longer at Louisville. Um, I think Pitt's having a lot of issues with their athletic director. I know that Kansas fans were ecstatic. Um <laughs> A couple of weeks ago when their athletic director got fired. And that's fired. shocking because Kansas fans do not have a lot to be happy about. They have basketball season. Okay, fine. Which, you know, that's, again, you look at a guy, to, to heart back to Georgia Tech fans, I've heard arguments from Tech fans, oh, you know, Johnson's not a very charismatic guy. He's not a really young, hip, popular recruiter. And I'm like, <laughs> Kansas hired Dave Beatty. <laughs> Dave Beatty was a young, hip, high-profile recruiter. Has it helped Kansas? Nah. Not Has least. it helped Kansas? I don't know. I also like our perspective of PJ, where he's just carrying, like, a bag of doorknobs over his shoulder <laughs> to just smack somebody with. He was he popped out of the, out of his mother's wombs with a bag full of doorknobs. <laughs> okay. You know, that entire article is the best. Because <laughs> it's something. like, does anyone know, know about NC State? No, but next thing you know... They're eating the beams out from under your house, and they've sold your social security number to the Russians. <laughs> no one knows if North Carolina is any good, because to figure that out is to truly stare into the abyss of time itself. And when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. It stares also back into okay, you. Okay. All right, but back to A&M. A&M, again, I think is in a position and is set up to be very successful. Again, from a location standpoint, from an investment standpoint, um, I think hot take number two. One of the biggest things that has somewhat helped them and they might be need to be afraid of is if Tom Herman turns Texas around and gets Texas back to 10-11 win Texas, I really think that's going to kind of hurt them because in uh, you know our three A&M fans that listen to this podcast, Artem, uh, his wife, and his daughter, te- Texas is the big team in that state. Yeah, they're yeah. they're going to recruit well when they're winning. And we apologize to Artem's da- daughter because I'm sure she's not used to this level of cursing just yet. <laughs> I don't know. And so it's going to be interesting because you thought about 
A&M was supposed to open the recruiting riches in Texas to the SEC that wasn't LSU who already recruited Texas heavily. But it really hasn't. You know, Alabama will step in and sign who they want. But it really hasn't created this floodgate of Texas recruits. You know, they're still going to the Big 12. They're still going to Arkansas to an extent. You know, I think TCU and, well, Baylor's a whole another. But, you know, TCU being good has helped. Houston being good, I think, has helped. Well, I think it – and it's hard to realize when you're not there. West of the Mississippi, whole different animal. And you don't realize it until you kind of go over that. I don't know. I, in terms of recruiting, I would throw Texas in the deep south recruiting where everyone's cheating and you have to cheat better than the other team. Yeah, there's a lot of that, um, too. Um, the okay. guy that the every day should be Saturday. No, not every day should be Saturday. Uh, podcast named Played Nobody. Nobody. Uh, Stephen Godfrey actually just put out a really neat article about the whole shenanigans at Ole Miss. It's a little preachy. There's a whole lot of stuff going but on it's, about Ole it's Miss. Really, I feel like this is another situation like SMU and the Southwest Conference where everyone is cheating. They were just dumb enough to get caught. Okay. So, <laughs> I feel bad for bringing up A&M because as much as I love Artem, we've been on this conversation for 15 minutes. I am a little upset thinking about LSU. I'm like, how come LSU just doesn't hire a witch doctor? They are in... Um, excuse me. How dare you underestimate DeCocho? <laughs> DeCocho. How dare you underestimate that man? <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the after game speech where it's just like, look, sometimes when you're with the ball is like physically bigger. And we and my buddies, we got together with a witch before the game and we put a curse on the other team. Look, you cannot <laughs> prove that this man does not have chicken bones and other ritual supplies in his desk. You know, I read a story somewhere about him being did, in a... Did it help him against Troy? No, because Neil, Neil Brown's a fantastic coach, and how no one has hired him, I still don't understand. But he went and recruited a kid in Louisiana, and apparently, like, asked mom if there was something to eat, and then just straight up, like, walked into the kitchen and got some red beans and rice out of the fridge. That's awesome. But, oh. no, it did not help them against Troy. Troy is a very, very good program. Again, Neil Brown, how no one has looked to hire him, how he didn't get an interview for the Ole Miss job. So, I guess that brings us back to the 2017 season. I, I feel bad for him. I, I guess I don't feel that bad. He's staying where he's good at. But um, that was one of the games that stood out to me this year. Partially, I hate to rag on LSU fans, but it was partially because I was coming back from my grandfather's funeral that week. And college football was one of my highlights. I definitely remember Alabama winning that week. But what stood out to me more uh, and what got me excited more was the fact that Troy <laughs> kicked LSU to the curb uh, in that matchup. Uh, but, yeah, there were a lot of weird upsets in 2017. Andrew, did any games in particular that stood out to you? Um, Howard beating UNLV was kind of funny. Uh, with Cam Newton's cousin, younger brother, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, the the Troy game was interesting. You know, I, unfortunately, I it's been so long. I'm I'm trying to. I think I would try to remember a bunch of. Football. How about how about Iowa State? Because Iowa State had a lot of really good ones. They beat Oklahoma. They 
had a really close one with Iowa, which was shocking to me because usually that's like the uh, terrible game of the year. But then they also beat TCU. Iowa State is actually a team I'm looking forward to in this upcoming year. I'm not sure where they stand talent-wise, though. But they had a lot of, like, crazy, just ridiculous games. Yeah, they went 8-5 and five last year. That's another guy who I'm really, really surprised, especially if he puts together another 7-8 win season. Um, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who's really helped build that program, is a guy that I'm surprised people haven't really started to take a look at. Um, also, there was, uh, of course, I think... Um, four you... turnovers. That's why LSU lost. Yeah, that plays a factor. Yeah, turnovers usually hurt you. Sit down the corner. But, yeah, uh, one of the things, I guess the other thing that I think about when I think about 2017 and podcast ain't played, nobody had a lot to say on this issue, was the whole Pac-12 situation. Um, a lot of people feel like coming off of that year, Pac-12 kind of shat the bed. Uh, I'm not sure that I feel the same way. I feel like it was a good conference with a lot of changeover this year, especially at coaching and in talent levels at certain positions. So I'm not sure how I felt about their performance in the bowl seasons and the fact that they kind of devoured each other, you know, throughout as the season went on. That's the thing to me is people talk about, you know, they had two double-digit win teams in Washington and USC, you know. It's crazy because... Unless you have a dominant program in a conference, Alabama, Clemson, uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State, yeah, everyone wants to say Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone wants to sit here and argue. Oh, you know, why is this? Why is this conference down? You know, why is this? When parity is probably a better. I mean, from a from a watching standpoint, I would much I prefer parity. I would rather, but at the same time, it's it is. And I think that's part of the dichotomy of uh, college football is you are forced to cheer for teams in your conference. Otherwise, your conference looks disrespected. Whereas, like, if you're in the NFL and the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, I don't think the Giants are going to be cheering for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. I mean, they were playing the Patriots, to be fair. Well, yeah, but everybody hates – okay, if they weren't playing the Patriots, (laughs) if they were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, no one would have given a shit. I mean, yeah, but – I would have cheered for the Jaguars because who doesn't love Shere Khan? <laughs> who, congratulations to him and Fulham Football Club for winning promotion back to the Premier League. I found out For that all of our three soccer-watching fans out there. I also found out that Shere Khan actually owns, like, three of the eSports teams I cheer for. Does he? I, it's yeah. really weird. He's apparently trying to buy Wembley Stadium from the English Football oh, Association. <laughs> There's a whole lot of weird... He owns so much. It's ridiculous. I mean, look at that mustache. How can you not love and respect a man with that kind of mustache? Okay, okay. We're off. Back to the Pac-12. We're off time. So the Pac-12, they're in a little bit of trouble because of their Pac-12 network and some of their distribution deals. I think you had good teams. Obviously, you had Washington and USC. But... It's tough to look at these guys. Both were three-loss teams. You know, their best teams were three-loss teams. When your best, you know, Alabama was a one-loss team. Georgia was a one-loss team. Oklahoma was a one-loss team. Clemson was a one-loss team. Yeah. So, you know, you've got three, four one-loss teams, three of which are conference champions. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's tough to, to argue, I mean, outside of UCF. And one of which was, like, I, a, well, a, I a actually, team. I, no, I was about to say, I, I was going to say something about Alabama, but I was like, no, they didn't win the national no. championship the year before. No. <laughs> People just think they did. You know, oh, yeah. And that's the thing is a lot of it's kind of what happens around you and perception, whether that perception is true or not. I think USC is in a position to be really good. I think Clay Helton's, you know, I applauded that hire when they made it. I thought he was a really good hire. I think Stanford will rebound this year. I think Oregon's uh, in a position for a huge rebound do year. You, do you think people are going to turn against Leach after what happened with the uh, Tennessee job? Where it... <sighs> Maybe. Although I would have absolutely loved Mike Leach in the SEC. Well, okay, okay. To clarify, <laughs> for those who don't know what's going on, a lot of crazy bullshit happened in Tennessee. <laughs> the AD offered Leach the job. Leach was, like, going to take it, and then the head of – like the Tennessee chairperson was like I thought it was like the chancellor. Yeah, the chancellor. Sorry. I'm trying to think of who what I don't know how the So, if I remember correctly, the AD had flown out to California to finalize an interview and an offer with Mike Leach and I guess on the plane or something he didn't have Wi-Fi or whatever. He did not have Wi-Fi. And so, if you want a really really good recap Shut down full cast. That's such a good point. Did a fantastic recap of the whole situation because everything became public record. Yeah. Um, but, which but, also includes Ryan Nanny s- screaming as Brady Oak in Italian, <laughs> in Italian, which is glorious and is really the only thing I can remember from that. But long story short, as soon as he landed, he got a very. Don't hire Mike Leach type email. <laughs> yeah. Well, a very much. I, I don't even know if it was like, don't hire Mike Leach. I think it was more like, the fuck do you think you're doing? You better be in my office in the next four hours or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like. And so, and I think it was funny. Leach kind of, I think, could realize that. And he's like, oh, okay, good. Honestly, unfortunately, I think Washington State's going to take a step back. They lost a lot, especially Luke Falk. Well, and it's a hard system to run. As much as yeah. I like Leach, it is. he's very consistent with what he does. Yeah. It's not easy to run with raw talent. So. No. Uh, the one that I'm really fascinated about is the Arizona State fighting Herm Edwards. <laughs> but I, but we'll get into that in our Pac-12 call. Yeah, preview. that's that's one of those where, like, <laughs> the Pac-12 could be very fascinating because of the quarterback at Arizona, because of the coach at Arizona State, because of the talent at USC. Pretty much anybody can win that fucking conference. It's so weird yeah, I mean, to think U- about. USC, Washington, and Stanford are probably going to be your favorites. Wash- well, I mean, just like every year. But I could see Arizona winning it with the talent they've got this year. I could see potentially Arizona State turning things around. I don't think they're going to do it, like, ridiculously. Somebody else would have to fall flat on their face. Yeah. But it could happen. Oregon's going to be the interesting one, I think. Uh, Oregon is another wrench in the whole gears. And even Utah and Colorado, who were not great this year, I would not throw them out. No, no. Utah's under under Whittingham does a really good job of bouncing back, and he's a really, really good coach. So, yeah, I mean, but I guess our bottom line is I don't think – They ate itself. I mean, I think you you captured it perfectly is that a lot of teams beat up on each other and and no one really got out. I mean, USC had two out-of-conference losses, which is what really hurt them. Well, and I don't think we should be shitting on the Pac-12 just because they, like – didn't make the playoff. No. Uh, they didn't make the playoff because the two teams that were playing in the championship did make the playoff. I mean, one of those would have had to have been kicked out anyway. Yeah, well, and, you know, I mean, how do you take a, a three-loss USC over a one-loss Alabama? I mean, it's or not. Or a three-loss Washington. That's yeah. your other option. Yeah. Well, I guess Washington would have been 11-2. and two, But still, I you're... Mean, yeah, either way. It's the same argument. Um. Okay, so... 
We only got about, we got a little bit of time left. Let's get on to UCF. So I think we kind of touched on UCF earlier. They, for those who don't know, they went undefeated. They didn't play Georgia Tech, but they went undefeated, made it to a bowl game, and they beat Auburn, who had beaten Alabama. And Georgia. And Georgia. But then subsequently lost to Georgia. Thanks, Auburn. This yeah, is all your fault. Auburn is a very weird... This is all your fault. So, Alabama, so Auburn... Plainsman, Tiger, Eagles. It's Aub- all your fault. Auburn beat Georgia in the regular season, lost to them in the conference championship. They beat Alabama, and because of the way the playoff drew up, uh, since they lost basically in the conference championship, Alabama made it to the playoff. It was really- I believe Auburn lost to Clemson last year, too. Auburn, yeah, they lost to Clemson. And they lost... I think they lost to somebody else. Did LSU beat them? Mississippi State? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think LSU did beat them. Yeah. Anyway, but... that boy, give me a second. Yeah, LSU beat them. And then they lost to UCF. So, yeah, basically UCF was using that as their claim to fame to be like, look, we went undefeated, we beat the guys that beat the two teams playing for the playoff championship, the college football championship, by all right... We had to write, We should be the national championship. We just weren't allowed to play. Yeah, Clemson and LSU. Yeah, that's right. So, so UCF is basically using that as their claim to fame. I, I guess my question comes down to: Is this really any different from what we saw with Western Michigan? Is this really any different from what we saw before with TCU and Boise State when they went undefeated, had really good seasons before the playoff system came into place? Like, or should we be taking this seriously? Was this really like them getting legitimately screwed over for a championship run? Uh, that's that's a tough question to really sit back and look at because the first argument against them is going to be strength of schedule. It's going to be you playing in a G5 conference. You know, unfortunately, the Georgia Tech game got canceled. You know, I don't know if a win over a five-win Georgia Tech team Really pushes you over the edge, you a, know. A loss I, I don't, certainly fucks you. I mean, over. yeah, I mean, a loss would have ruined your season. <laughs> I don't know if a win really pushes you over. It really puts you in a tough spot because yeah, they're almost saying you have to go out and schedule a lot harder um, non-conference games, which is getting harder to do for some of these G five programs that are really good, you know, because no one really wants to play them because you risk losing. That type of game. Plus, a lot of teams aren't willing to give up home games. You know, they beat some. They beat Navy, who was a bowl team. Uh, they beat Memphis, who was a bowl team. They beat USF, who was a bowl team. And, and they beat those were some great games too. By Temple, the way. who I think was a bowl team. Was SMU a bowl team last year? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I'm you not know, sure. They beat, they beat a pretty bad Maryland team who lost all of their quarterbacks. They also they beat Memphis twice. That's actually pretty impressive. The second time was a lot harder for them. Yeah, because it was a conference championship game because they're on different sides. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you know, it, it's a really tough situation to be in because you don't. You're almost kind of saying to the G5, you don't control your own destiny getting into the playoff. Where if you're a Power 5 conference team, to oversimplify it, went out and you're in. Yeah. Went out, maybe stumble once, and you're in. Now, what are the odds of actually doing that? Hard to say because it's really not expected. But yeah. No, but you know UCF is a program who went undefeated. They won every game that they played. 
They just didn't play, I guess, by the playoff committee standards, a hard enough schedule. I think they had two games canceled, but yeah. And that kind of steps yeah, back they, into the, its main. They had Memphis. They had oh, the main they, game canceled, they, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Huh. Um, to be fair, it's just a tough situation because it says unless you're... The fuck is the main mascot? Uh, Sorry, the, they're the black bears. Looks like a fucking rat. <laughs> they're the black bears. Okay, sure. <laughs> I think it's cool, though, because... Part of the argument from UCF that I've heard is we're only doing this to point out the inequalities and the gobbledy garbage, as well as I think it's funny because if you go back before, say, the BCS, especially with you as an Alabama fan, you start looking at some of your national title claims back throughout the years. No, You can I, get into some that are, that are my, I mean, any program can. I've I mean, actually, you can look at a lot of programs that claim national titles and go, really, guys? I've actually looked back. And I actually remember this argument that uh, my dad had against one of Alabama's national titles where they were like, well, we won it in one poll, but we didn't win it in the AP poll, so we never got the championship. And I'm like, well, yeah, by that logic, then, yeah, why can't UCF be co-champions? I mean, we've had co-champions well, and before. That's, and that's the thing. You had co-champions for, you know, 100-plus years until you got kind of the BCS. I mean, look, you had a, you had a co-champion in the BCS era. Oh, with yeah. USC and LSU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was weird. I mean, hypothetically, you could have a co-champion currently. Because if I remember correctly, only the AP or only the coaches poll has to vote with the CFP. I think one of them technically is allowed to vote however they feel. I think that's right, but I don't know. I don't um, have any... I, I can't prove that. But I think it's awesome. You know, you were undefeated, you won every game you could play, and again, it's no different than any number of national titles claimed by any any other Well, and I do think team. I do think they have the right to hype it up. I, I oh, think I do too. Good. I mean I think it's a fantastic thing to hype up. Well, and it gets you not only does it get your crowd excited, it also helps for recruiting down the line. I don't know how they're gonna do without Frost there. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Josh Hoipel can do. <laughs> Is it Hoipel or Hypel? I always see Hoipel. when he played at Oklahoma, it was Josh Hypel. But I've also heard Hoipel, so I don't really know. Hoipel might have just been from Shutdown Fullcast, so I don't really know if that's actually real. Uh, dare to dream. But um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm interested in what Scott Frost can do in Nebraska. All right, last topic of the night, uh, spring games. They're so, a waste of time. Andrew, what did you take away from our untelevised screen game? Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of injuries. Uh, yeah, to be fair, most of our starting offensive line didn't play. Taquan Marshall was a late scratch. Yeah. Like, I saw some highlights. Yeah, <laughs> you know, know, spring games are such an exercise in just let's do this for the hell of it. It's still just a thing that people want to watch, though. I was so upset that like, uh, yeah, what I, mean, the I fuck? wanted, I wanted to watch it because I wanted to see what what Nate Woody showed. But again, you're not going to show anything super out of the ordinary oh, no. in a spring game. I mean, sure. you're going to run basic stuff because you're sure. not going to put anything on tape. It was still upsetting. I was like, yeah. guy, like Fox Sports, you just can't bother to like put something on on the local <sighs> sports network. You know, ESPN, you're too busy suckling on the teeth that is LeBron James. I mean, he has been to eight straight finals. <laughs> and he is 100% carrying that team on his back. So whenever I see Stephen A. Smith, I just like imagine him as like a little baby. He's like... Good old LeBron James is really good. <laughs> I, you know, we can we can talk all we want, but I mean the man the man produces results. Now again Stephen A. Smith or LeBron? 
Both. Okay. <laughs> LeBron in the different ways, obviously. Again, Warriors in five. They're the dream, man. Well, I mean, think about it. I was listening to the radio on the way over here, and Spain and Fitz, ESPN Afternoon Show. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about, obviously, the Cavaliers have the best player in the series. Yeah. It's LeBron James. Right. Who's the best player on the Warriors? Kevin Durant. Arguably, Kevin Durant. Right, right, right. But then but, it but becomes then who, like then who's your, all the way down the who's, line. Who's your number two? Curry. Steph Curry. K- Kevin Love. <laughs> Who may play. Yeah, you yeah. know, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance And Jr. then you get like, somewhere in there is Kyle Korver, and you're like, wait, Kyle well, Korver? But then number three, you get to Draymond Green and J.R. J. Smith. Yeah, J.R. Smith. I don't know. Yeah. Clay Thompson. All right. Like, I think J.R. Smith would fight a dude. <laughs> um, first of all, so I don't, I don't really care too much about the NBA. I'm not a big NBA fan. But if a Cavaliers win gets us another example of J.R. Smith refusing to put a shirt on, I am, I am 100% down for that. I'm, I'm, I'm probably just going to cut the podcast there. I want to see J.R. Smith without a shirt on. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. To, to I just, I loved. That it got to the point where the president of the United States, in his congratulatory phone call to the Cavaliers, implored them like, get that man to get J.R. Smith to put a shirt on. <laughs> I, somehow I don't. I feel like if Let's it comes... Let's not get there. Yeah, okay, fine. That's, all right. That's, well, thank you as always. We have, we have podcast listeners of all political stripes, and that's nearly not what this podcast is about. Notice that I've continued to increase the number of listeners every time I've made that statement. None of which is true. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, there's one guy in his basement. I, I'm pretty sure when you, you look at the count of how many times this gets listened to, at least four of them are me listening and critiquing myself. I don't know. I'm pretty sure one, there's like at least 12 of them that are my mom because she screwed up the subscription. <laughs> so she accidentally subscribed like 12 times. So... Where can where can we listen to this podcast? iTunes? Are we on Stitcher? We're on iTunes. Uh, working on Stitcher. Does Stitcher cost money? Gonna figure that one out. I hope not, because we probably need to sell some ads, like from the Rumble Seat, or RamblinRec.com, or... Get yourself a Casper mattress. Yeah, know. that's that's something that people sell. Yeah. Join that um, hunter-killer box thing <laughs> yeah right that they talk about on other podcasts on that other podcast <laughs> it's like go see go see mother. mother oh that's what we should do we should just sit here and and sell ads for other <laughs> podcasts be like if you don't think this is really your cup of tea which for all of our six listeners it's probably not there are I don't so know. Many... If, they, if they made it this far, they, they either enjoy it or they are like on on the floor of dying of a heart attack. Or or here's my next thought. It's a journalism professor somewhere using us as an example of what not to do <laughs> on the air. I think that's probably a bigger that's part. That's probably of this. the more likely scenario. All right. Thanks for that one. But yeah, you can listen. You're looking for Andrew's articles. He's going to be doing some tape reviews and some setups on... Uh, I think my first article publishes the 13th of June. On fromtherumbleseat.com. You can see us on Podbean and on uh, iTunes. Check out our other podcast, uh, Drunken Mustache Podcast Music Review. And uh, if you need, if you feel like you have any questions or comments, 
uh, that are not asshole-ish or are asshole-ish, shoot us an email. Yeah, if you're just going to sit here and tell us how terrible we are, go ahead. It's probably something we haven't heard before from our own families. So, you know. Also, constructive criticism is perfectly acceptable as well. There was one guy who asked me if the taste of my own ball sack was, like, (laughs) sweet or sour. And... I didn't know how to respond because I could never reach it. I was about to say, that, that man is assuming, or woman, you know, we, we, we accept all genders here, and I'm sure we have listeners of all of the genders amongst the four listeners we have. I think we just lost two of them. We went from six to four. Uh, You're you just know, making them, and then we gain, and then we gain eight. You yeah. know, they're assuming that we are extremely flexible when... You know, I've lost a little bit of weight. I'm kind of proud of myself, but I am not even close enough to where I can I can taste the sweetness of my own testicles. Uh, I'm gonna have to ask Elizabeth about that. Oh, hey. Or don't if you want the relationship to last. Hey, yeah. you know we've made it this far. We haven't killed each other. We should probably get married eventually. And that should be our next comment. Is Match.com? If you go to Match.com, get mixed up. Anyway, in all seriousness, we hope y'all had fun listening to this. Farmers only. <laughs> Good night, everybody.